welcome to Head of the Class, a podcast produced by Our Schools USA. We are Christina Gagne, the former school board member, and Christy Hurst, a former teacher and current public school parent. Across the country, as the school year begins, we are seeing the impacts of the policies of extremist groups, as well as the general negative messaging by these groups like Moms for Liberty and others who are attacking teachers. And it's resulting in something we all should be really concerned about, teacher shortages. So while we think it's probably clear what a teacher shortage means, i.e. not enough teachers to fill the open slots, what might not be so clear is the impacts of these shortages on your children. And you may also think this is only impacting big states or states where we are seeing more political activity and anti-public education policies, but it's not. This is a national issue. Let's look at California. There are massive shortages across the state, but we want to emphasize the impacts on rural districts since this is illustrative of what is happening across the country. Programs like transitional kindergarten are getting cut. In New York, you're seeing shortages with special education teachers, school psychologists, speech therapists, occupational therapists, physical therapists. North Dakota, a very different state than California or New York, also facing these teacher shortages that are just in a way that a state of emergency may need to be declared by the governor of that state. In Florida, we know a hotbed of education news. As of news reports dating August 4th from a local ABC affiliate, so just a few days ago, let's look at just a few districts and counties. Hillsborough County had 529 wow. openings. Hernando County had about 125 vacancies. And Panea still needs around 120 teachers. That's not it. Maine is also seeing teaching shortages. And uh, Lewiston County Superintendent Jake Langlius said that while staffing situation is better than it's been in the past couple of years, the district still has more than 30 open teaching positions and nearly 60 ed tech vacancies. Um, Kentucky is having issues, school closures. Uh, and let's be clear, it's not just public schools having these problems. No, it's not. And in the state of Arizona and the Mesa public schools, uh, the plan to a sewage, basically, teacher shortages was that other teachers will pick up the slack so every student has a class to go to. So teachers are going to pick up extra duties and teach another class here or there as well. Um, one really big area of need, and it always is a difficult area to fill, is special education. It's notoriously a difficult position to fill, but given that massive teacher shortages we're seeing, this is becoming even more difficult of a position to fill. If you look on EdJoin, which is like the California website for teacher jobs, you're going to see a lot of districts looking for special ed teachers still right now, even when school's already started. Yes, and this is a national issue. So these are districts of all states and shapes and sizes. Every single state is facing a crisis and finding uh, teachers to, to be in the special education space. But let's look at the impacts that you may see as a result of these shortages. And we're going to start with a K through six campus. So we're going to take this sort of primary, secondary and go from there, uh, talking about the impacts in public education. So K through six campus, let's start with increased class sizes. For years, four years, there have been complaints about class sizes, and there was an entire movement, California, other states have seen this, about class size reduction, trying to invest in class size reduction, which 
is a smaller teacher to student ratio, which is better for all students learning. So we've had this years long movement to make classes smaller, but the teacher shortage is just so large right now that that is basically pushing against this years long movement of class size reduction. So it'll be seen what happens, but we're already seeing larger class sizes uh, across the country. Yeah. Another thing you see, and I think a lot of parents will react to this one because it's always a top complaint um, in the schools are combo classes. Um, and in case you're not sure to get everyone on the same page, this is where two grades are combined into one class. So for example, um, you might have fifth and sixth graders in the same classroom on an elementary site. Sixth grade is really a transitional year. Uh, and that makes it really hard when you have fifth graders and sixth graders in the same room. This is just one example. Um, there's a reason for the separation in K through six. There's different sets of standards for each grade level. Um, it is very difficult for a teacher to teach two different grade levels at the same time all day. So that's what is a huge effect of these teacher shortages. They max out the classes as high as they can, and then they start creating combos. They will not have any classes short across the district. The other big thing we're seeing is cutting transitional kindergarten. And again, this is another thing that has had a huge movement behind it for years, making sure that all districts provide transitional kindergarten. And this, again, is something that has study after study behind it, supporting that this really sets up kids to do much better in kindergarten and beyond. But when you don't have enough teachers, you end up cutting programs like transitional kindergarten. Um, yeah. So what about junior high and high school? So in junior high and high school, we're seeing uh, several things happen. But one of the scarier things is many programs in our public schools and in any school are four-year programs, whether it's math, science, language arts. They're meant to be four-year programs that build upon one another. We are seeing cuts to these programs in the sense that freshmen who are incoming to high schools are not able to get certain elective classes, which would allow them to take these four-year programs. This also feeds into eligibility for colleges, you know, whether you're in a massive, you know, state system in some states like California or Wisconsin or for private universities, there's an expectation that students will get four years of exposure to subject matter. And with these teacher shortages, if there's not someone to teach it, it simply doesn't get taught at certain grade levels. Yeah, another thing you'll see in the junior highs and high schools is the cutting of the electives available. So if teachers, sometimes teachers will pick up a couple elective courses when there's, you know, enough teachers and that opens up the availability of options that students have um, open to them to take. So as teacher shortages kind of build up, those teachers are pulled to call and teach core classes like ELA, math science. And so those electives that they might have had one or two periods of get cut out completely because they don't, they have to go back to these other subject areas that are requirements to graduate. And I want to emphasize that some of these electives are actually career technical education programs. So these are things like hospitality, culinary arts, uh, art, agriculture, uh, a variety of public schools have also reinvested in career technical education, uh, the trades, so things like engineering. Those are not core courses, but they really do expose students to a variety of career opportunities and skills they wouldn't gain otherwise. And so cutting electives is not just cutting an arts class, which also has been a major issue in our public schools. Right. It's cutting things that really expose students to the variety of career paths and opportunities they could have 
right after high school. Also, it involves cutting activities. So if you are giving teachers extra tasks and extra duties, they may not have the capacity to be involved with or oversee certain activities. So, you know, student government and other activities, there's a variety of things that teachers will put on themselves because they're passionate about supporting students. But at some point, there's only so much you can manage in a learning day. And so cutting activities is also something that we're seeing happening. And remember, we already had an issue prior to this teacher shortage of finding enough highly qualified teachers to teach in STEM programs. So finding math and science teachers has become very difficult. This is just compounding that problem that already existed. And so those teachers are even, they're becoming more difficult to find. So we've covered K through six, we've covered junior high and high school and some of the things we're going to see being cut or have been cut. But let's turn to the general management of the district. You know, these issues actually end up working their way to the top. So administrators, usually what will happen is if they are short a teacher and there's not enough subs, which is another issue that we're having, then we don't have enough subs, is administrators are pulled from their role, which is to lead the school. And they have quite a large amount of responsibilities and they have to go fill in for these classrooms and teach for the day, which leaves the school without leadership, somebody in that office running things. I mean, if you have any problems arising during the day, which are frequent, any um, students who need counsel, something needs attended to regarding behavior, there's nobody there to support students in that capacity. And that makes the entire school um, bogged down and it doesn't run as smoothly. So they will get called off of their responsibilities and pulled into the classroom every day to cover those classrooms that are left without teachers. We also hear a lot of conversation about substitutes as a solution. Substitutes are not a solution. There is also a shortage of substitute teachers. This is happening across the country. Again, everything we're talking about, you can look in at least 40 to 45 states and you're seeing these trends. There are never enough subs to cover routine absences um, when there's not a severe shortage. Let's say that we were in a year several years ago where we weren't seeing these high shortages. There still weren't enough substitute teachers. Uh, Competitive pay for substitutes is also an issue. I mean, school districts in a geographic area, and again, you see this across the country, they know that if they offer certain substitute pay, a substitute's more likely to go there and sub than another school district. So you are creating the system where just by virtue of how schools get funded, you know, you might not be able to use that as a solution. And then finally, substitutes are only there day to day. That's what their role is. And so they don't develop necessarily the same relationship with students. They don't know the needs of the students like a teacher who's in the classroom every single day to effectively teach them. So while substitutes are are great and while they add great value in our public schools, they just aren't the answer to a teacher shortage. Yeah. And I want to make sure we point out that, um, as in most cases, students that are the most vulnerable in our school systems suffer the most from these shortages. So our special education students really suffer. Uh, lower socioeconomic status areas suffer more than um, the rest of the population does. So what are the solutions being put forth? We have this major teacher shortage crisis, but what solutions are actually being put forward? Because this is not a short-term problem. Now, yes, it's been exacerbated by the pandemic, but actually that's not the big cause of the shortages, at least the pandemic itself, um, and how teachers were treated. Um, A lot of this has actually been fueled by the anti-teacher sentiment that the far right is fomenting against public educators. And there's survey after survey now public educators who They just feel like they are not well regarded or respected or trusted. And so, you know, the solutions being put forth um, aren't really meeting what the pain points are educators. But let's turn to one of those solutions. 
Okay. So one thing that you're seeing is loosening credentialing requirements. So that's setting aside teacher licensing requirements. So students can, um, students can run classrooms without supervision. They will cut back on what the requirements are to be a teacher in the classroom. And you've seen, uh, states across the country doing this for at least the last year. And in some states like North Dakota, uh, Governor Doug Burgum is being asked to issue an emergency order to this effect. So why is this bad? Your teachers are less qualified for one. So why would you anyone want to have teachers not receive the appropriate training? So this is not a political issue. Like we want highly skilled trained teachers in our classrooms. And we see people on the left and the right panning this idea. Um, As somebody who was a teacher, it is a it's a very difficult job. And to step into that without a, a level of support that is needed in training would make it very, even, almost impossible. It's a very hard job, I, w- I think. And to, to enter it without the training and support that is needed is setting these teachers up for failure. And I've seen the word Band-Aid be used for the short-term policy changes and solutions. Um, but this is an endemic problem now. Um, so what are the, some of the solutions um, that are putting forth out there that you think um, you know, actually would work? So for one, we need to provide high quality, accessible mental health supports. Uh, first and foremost, we need to increase staffing to reduce class sizes and educator stress. This is actually a very highly reported stressful job. Um, the data on how long teachers stay is concerning, and this has been a long building problem we need to address. And so having reduced class sizes has been shown to help teachers greatly. Um, and if you've been in a classroom, I can't imagine you would disagree with that. Uh, creating inclusive, responsive, and collaborative school co- cultures amongst All the stakeholders, parents, teachers, administrators, students, support staff, counselors, everyone needs to be collaborating together positively. Um, Provide sufficient resources so educators don't need to pay out of pocket for supplies. Um, I think that's a big deal, too. And all these things just help people to feel generally more respected and supported as well. But it's very hard when you are given a job to do and you don't even get the supplies to do it. So we've been reading about this issue across the country, um, and I found one quote that I thought really was illustrative of the problem. Um, it has been a gut punch, says Alejandra Lopez, a teacher in San Antonio, Texas, now in her fifth year in the classroom. Teachers are in the middle of a polarizing political landscape, and the attack on educators has increased the pressure and stress we feel daily. Dictating what we can teach in our classes, banning books, and disrespecting our craft have become breaking points for many educators. Teachers need to be treated as professionals instead of being used as a political football. This educator's comments feed into what has a decline in Americans' esteem for teaching. There has been a decline in Americans' esteem for teaching, period. Perceptions of teacher prestige have fallen in the last decade. Those are the findings of an aptly titled paper, quote, the rise and fall of the teaching profession, end quote, written by two education policy researchers. Among their findings is one, interest in teaching has fallen among high school seniors and college freshmen to the lowest level in the last 50 years. Teachers' job satisfaction is also at the lowest level in five decades, the authors have said. Uh, The drops aren't simply the result of pandemic stress either. 
Most of these declines occurred steadily throughout the last decade, suggesting they are a function of a larger, longstanding structural issues within the profession. Um, and the authors go on to say that in their view, these findings should be cause for serious national concern. And I, I know they are definitely for me. And I think that, you know, part of the far right messaging and the disparaging of teachers and trying to put blame on teachers and bringing in teachers unions and sort of fomenting this whole conversation. I do think part of this is because they know that there has been this decline in esteem. They know that we are not seeing as many uh, students, you know, whether there are high school students, college students thinking about going into the teaching profession. Like if you look at the enrollment in colleges and universities, simply there aren't as many people um, wanting to go into teaching. I think they know this. And one of the reasons that they're acting like this and putting out this messaging and creating this environment is they want public schools to fail. I mean, I, I find it like very interesting that many of the things that we see as pain points for the last 10 years, the complaints that teachers have, which are, are coming from a place of, a lack of support. They need more support. Um, they want to make sure this is a more collaborative environment. They, they want the public schools to make sure that they are being set up for success so their students can be set up for success. I have to think that some of this is influential on this. But, you know, where do we go from here? So there are solutions that are out there. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to address exactly all facets of the teacher shortage, but we did want to highlight, um, and this has been something that many states um, have decided to do, you know, trying to grow teacher candidates locally, like hoping that by working with people in their local communities that they will stay, they'll go to school locally and come back and, and teach in the schools. Um, you know, that, that's an idea of, of a positive solution that, you know, does not set up, you know, student teachers to fail because they don't have the requisite training. Um, but also there's some form of like personal investment and community investment in the public schools. But again, like anything in public education, legislators have to be willing to invest. And without that investment, without being willing to write that check for our future, you know, we're going to continue to see teacher shortages be a problem across the country. So, you know, for you listening, you know, we do need long-term sustainable solutions. Um, we always encourage you, if you have ideas or things that are working in your state or local school district, you know, please reach out to us. But start talking to your districts and legislators now. We can't punt this one to the next generation. This has been Head of the Class, a podcast produced by Our Schools USA. Once again, we are Christina Gagne, the former school board member, and Christy Hurst, a former teacher and current public school parent. And always remember, don't get mad, get organized.